given the day. We're so glad you're here, um, every one of you. And as I regularly say in our gathering, for those that, whether in person or engaging online, and regularly I hear that this is the case of people that are just, just come to the place in life for various reasons uh, of exploring answers. And the theme on Christmas Eve, if you were here, was connecting the dots. And that was about connecting the dots between the Christmas story and the Easter story. Big connection there. Uh, but, but sometimes through life, there's things that happen and thoughts we start to have and uh, maybe a memory of a, of a grandma who told us she was praying for us and what, the, you know, trying to connect the dots on big questions of life. And so an, a search is... Um, engaged with. And so, uh, as I sometimes do in this gathering, encourage those that, if that's you, way to go. It's courageous of you to, uh, to, to engage with that um, search, would you call it, um, and to be here this morning maybe as a part of that. And if you are exploring Eaglemont Church for any reason, uh, we'd love to answer any questions you have as we, as we uh, say every Sunday. There's an I'm New card in the chair pocket in front of you. You can fill it out and put it in the uh, slot at the welcome kiosk by the, by the exit doors there. Or you can go to eaglemont.info, and there's an I'm New button there. That'll bring up the form that... Uh, uh, you know, just asking you, do you, you can trust us with your, with your contact information. We just want to come alongside and uh, express a welcome to you, maybe meet you over the phone if we miss the opportunity to do that today. We would love that so very much. So thanks for, for yeah, giving us the opportunity to help you find a place of belonging here at Eaglemont Church. Uh, Eaglemont, Eaglemont family, this is, this is a comment for you. God bless you for your faithful, your generous, your systematic giving, as the Scripture refers to it, uh, to, uh, to the, the, the work and ministry of this local church. So many of you uh, know in your life the spiritual habit of, uh, of, of giving to God's Word as part of your own growth as a disciple, and so I, I commend you for that, and that's evidence of uh, spiritual uh, maturity. So uh, for those who, um, uh, who don't know, uh, you can share your worship of giving. Again, at the Welcome Kiosk, there's a debit machine, or at eaglemont.info. God bless you, and I, I know he will in his own divine and, and creative ways. Uh, our Beginning of the year, every, every year, we begin with times of prayer together. And that's next Sunday night, next Monday night, next Tuesday night at 6.30. Our monthly prayer encounter is usually 6, so don't get confused. These are 6.30, uh, so that it's the same time on Sunday night and Monday night, Tuesday night, giving people time to get home from work and still, and still come. So may, uh, I just encourage you to make these a, a priority. The, the church moves forward and onward uh, as we pray, and you can go to eaglemont.info and click on the prayer and fast uh, button and see explanations there of what the prayer focuses will be each of these evenings. Then our Hearing God seminar, I want to highlight that uh, starting Tuesday, 
uh, the 23rd. It's a new thing for our church. This, this video-driven seminar, as pastors, we're feeling prompted just to make this great resource available that comes to us from uh, Church Renewal, if you're familiar uh, with that, out of Steinbeck, Manitoba, and just excited about these six Tuesday nights. Uh, you can go uh, to, again, eaglemont.info, click on the Hearing God a button, and there's information there about child care, free child care, uh, optional simple meal uh, at the beginning of each evening as well, and a place to register for that. So I really encourage you to, uh, to consider that carefully. And yeah, you can keep up to date uh, around, uh, what, with what's happening around Eaglemont by signing up uh, for our newsletter at eaglemont.info as well. This morning, uh, brief, a bit of, a, a bit of a, an abbreviated message, and then we're going to do some other things together with the rest of our time this morning. But a friend of mine shared uh, a simple little phrase with me from a Bible app that he uses, and uh, it, it has to do with the great influence of God's Word. You need to know, many of you do, if this is your church family and you've been around, we don't, we don't build our lives or our, our teaching, uh, our, our practice, our character development to continue to grow, to be like Christ on anything but uh, what we believe to be God's uh, Word, reliable, trustworthy, and, and powerful Word that He left for us so that we could know Him in a way that is personal. Um, so, God's Word, the Bible, is, is, very, uh, is the foundation of our, as Christ followers, our individual lives and our collective life as uh, a church body. But yeah, this, uh, this friend that shared this statement from this Bible app said that this statement was simply, the Bible has the truth to convict, the power to correct, and the wisdom to direct. And I got thinking about this, that simple little, you know, these pithy little statements that can sometimes be just kind of, I don't know, whatever, trite. Or, but but I, I, this one kind of stuck in, and it has to do, I, I believe as well, with my own love and appreciation and, and trust that I have in, uh, in God's Word. And it just kind of rolled around in my heart and mind for, for a while through the fall. And I, I got thinking about this Sunday and how it would look. This, this is a unique Sunday, and you're probably going to be up, maybe not, but most of you, including myself, I think, are going to be up a little later than normal tonight. And uh, so, can I say, way to go for being here. Way to go for being here. I, I um, yeah, just value the time that you give to hear God's Word. And so, uh, way to go. But I got thinking about this phrase and about this Sunday and decided to share this message to highlight four important things that the Word of God does in our lives as we open our hearts and minds to it, of course. And four C's to help us remember. First of all, the Word of God, the Bible, convicts. It doesn't sound like a fun word, does it? Conviction. Well... Various connotations and meanings, I suppose, of that word. But in, in the Gospel of John, uh, which, by the way, we, we started in September a series, Sunday morning teaching series, through the Gospel of John, the fourth 
account of Jesus' life in the New Testament, and we're picking up on that uh, on the 21st of January, just, just so you know. I've got a couple other things going on the next couple of Sundays, but um, in that gospel, in chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would come and convict the world of sin, and we're part of that world. When he says the world, in many places in the Bible, it's a reference to the people of the world, that the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin. And that's important because, not in a condemning you're so bad way, no, no, no. Some, some Christians might have done, uh, represented the gospel that way, but the gospel just means good news, and it's good news when we become aware of our sin and come to understand what God says about our sin, that it is our sin that we all have, that we are born with, uh, actually, and uh, uh, that's a whole other discussion, I guess, but um, it, it's our sin that keeps us separate from God, and God doesn't want that. And so how is it dealt with? Some people try to outwork their sin. Can't do it. Not possible. And that's where the cross comes in, where the penalty of sin, it was, it, our sin was dealt with fully by what Jesus did on the cross. That's freeing. That's freeing, truly. And so the gospel then is, is good news. It's not a burden. Um, the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world of sin. Now, the Holy Spirit uses the truth of God's Word. It's God's Word that the Holy Spirit points to as He, as he at times, directs our thoughts, whether we recognize it or not, toward things that we need to correct, repent of in our life. The Holy Spirit is the one, the person of the Godhead who does that work, but it's the, the Word of God that He points to to convict us, to bring us to the, not only the awareness of sin, but the desire to turn from it, to know God has a better way of living life. He created this life. He created our life. As I say, and my kids mock me because I went through a season of saying it fairly regularly, but I believe it. So don't mock me, Jenkins kids. I got three of them, by the way. And, uh, the, but, but God loves us most, knows us best, and loves us most. And so, what he says about how to live is, is really the best way to go about it. And the Holy Spirit wants to direct us through the Word of God by conviction. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Psalm 51, it's a great picture. I won't take time to read it, but the great picture of this process of God's truth at work that results in repentance. Um, I'm just going to... I'm already getting behind here in time, so um, skip to slide five. Conviction brings an awareness of our guilt when we sin. I'm guilty of offending God when I mistreat someone or whatever, whatever the sin might be. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow brings repentance. Okay, so guilt is what we see there, godly sorrow, sorrow that brings about a change. Never means we're going to be perfect in this world, but, and, and that's a good thing, guilt. But that's different than shame. Shame, however, is what our spiritual enemy, and there is one, Satan himself, wants us to feel. He wants us to feel shame because shame, what does that do? It drives us away from God because shame brings thoughts like, I've failed too much, too great, too often, so God will not forgive me. He can't. 
And that's what we say sometimes. And that's, that's the power of shame. And that's not what we're talking about when we talk about conviction. That's different. Those thoughts are not from God. And, and don't get messed up by false guilt either. False guilt. In other words, times when we may say something like, well, I know God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. <laughs> can I say this kindly? And I mean, I've been there as well. But can I say this kindly? Who do you think you are <laughs> in that? Because God, the, the creator, the perfectly holy one, has forgiven you if you've asked him to. But, but you refuse to give yourself grace? Choose to remember that Jesus went to the cross to forgive you. And so if, you're, if you've genuinely repented and asked his forgiveness, he's, he's given it. It's done. Truly. Second thing that the word of God does is it corrects us. Now, correction isn't always fun. Like you, you probably have memories like I do of being corrected and disciplined by your parents when you, when you were young. Not always fun memories, probably well-deserved and all, but uh, uh, correction from a loving father is what the Bible talks about. 2 Corinthians 3, all Scripture is God-breathed, God-originated, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, there it is, and teaching in righteousness. Correction, one of the four key things that Paul talks about. And correction, of course, is closely related to uh, conviction because, because if there's no Holy Spirit-inspired conviction, there will be no desire to, uh, to, to course correct. And it's important that it's course correction God's way as revealed in, in His Word. This past May, the Wall Street Journal had a story about a cattle rancher who does two things when he gets up every morning on his cattle ranch, according to the article. Uh, makes coffee. That's good. Makes sense. And then he fires up his laptop to see if any cattle of his cattle have wandered astray. And not many do, the article said, because electronic collars have been put around the necks of those cattle, of those cows, giving them a jolt if they try to cross one of the invisible fence boundaries. I had no idea that this, this existed. If they try to, you know, uh, yeah, cross one of the invisible fence boundaries created on a computer. Saves the cost of fencing, obviously. The, the rancher said the callers have mostly deterred the cattle from wandering past the no-go zone, although the animals don't always behave as desired after a shock that comes following warning beeps. Uh, some of them close their eyes and run. Okay? The cattle rancher says that there are sometimes a few that rebel. Like when a cow sees another cow on the other side of the invisible fence, sometimes they'll walk right through the shock to be with their friends. Sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? Pushing, pushing back against the, the, the boundaries, the loving, all-wise God boundaries that he's put in place, made clear in, in most cases in God's word, they're, they're, our, they're there for our good, those boundaries. The simple teaching point here is namely that we know we have freedom in Christ, but sometimes we need to be reminded or warned that we're crossing a line which God has placed there for our good. That's the role of the Word of God in our lives. And Scripture does not merely point out 
what we're doing wrong. It, it helps us learn how to best live and how to change patterns of living, uh, of speech, of, of thinking that are, uh, that are emotionally, relationally detrimental, spiritually detrimental. Proverbs 15 says, those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. It's good to be teachable, especially if it's being teachable regarding what God's Word lovingly says to us about how to live. Thirdly, the, the Word of God confirms. God's Word confirms what is true, what's, what's factual according to God's definition and perspective. You know, this, this relatively new cultural emphasis on, on your truth, my truth, it, it doesn't, that doesn't even stand up philosophically, actually, as if, as if truth is subjective. I mean, it, it, it's ludicrous because for something to be called truth, it, it needs to be brought into line with what God's Word says is true, the, the objective truth of God's Word, His reliable and trustworthy Word. And so God's Word either confirms or denies whether what people say, think, or believe is true or not. God's Word is the source to which we must go if we care about truth at all. Here's an extremely important example. God's Word confirms the truth about our eternal salvation. It does. If, you, if you've ever wrestled with, with doubt about your salvation, the Word of God has much to say. And what's written here in God's Word is precisely what God would say to us if He showed up and we heard or, or, or we heard his audible voice and Jesus spoke it in John uh, chapter 5 verse 24 most assuredly I say to you he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come under judgment and that judgment is separation from God eternally and that that's some serious stuff to think about shall not come, under, uh, come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Life. Remember Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. It's awesome. He, he designed our life. He created our life. He knows how best we should live it. And then 1 John, for those who have struggled with doubt about yourself, am I saved as, 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 from, from eternally, separation, from eternally uh, being separated from God? Uh, is that truly a, a gift that I've received and will uh, live in the rest of my life here and on into eternity? Well, 1 John 5, 13, I have written this to you, the Bible says, God says through John here, I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And that's only sure because of what Jesus has done for us. But it says that, that the intention, God's desire, is that you may know. And if you've trusted in Christ, if you've, as we often word it here, if, if, if you have recognized what, what Christ has done, in dealing with sin that separates us from God, and you've asked Him to be the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, you've surrendered your life to Him. This verse applies. That you may know, that you can know, you can know. That's not presumptuous. That's not arrogant. That's trusting in the work of Christ on the cross and His resurrection. 
from the dead to prove his power over sin and death. It's a cool verse. Let's skip to slide 17, John. Skip to the fourth point there. The Word of God also cleanses. Years ago, when parents told their children to wash their dirty hands and face, you may have heard them say something like, cleanliness is next to godliness, you know. Uh, well, that saying isn't in the Bible, but the Bible does equate godliness not with scrubbed skin, but with a, a clean heart, with a clean heart that only God can bring about through His forgiveness. Note David's prayer in Psalm 51.10. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. You see, there's a, there's a washing inwardly. There's a washing of, of the Word. And, and that's the picture that illustrates the power of the Word of God to make us, to make us clean inside. That's a, a great feeling. Ephesians 5.26 refers to being washed by the cleansing of God's Word, and that's a process. That's a process, but it definitely happens in the lives of those who open themselves up and uh, uh, humble, humble themselves and submit themselves to God and to His Word. And then Jesus prayed to His Father in John 17 he, for, for His followers, saying, sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. That's how we are cleansed inwardly because life can cause us to be inwardly polluted I would say right but there's a cleansing that comes as we as we engage with God's word as we read God's word as we meditate upon God's truth that he has made available to us Christ followers who who take the word of God into their hearts and minds regularly will be shaped by it and will grow in their uh, in, in, in their hatred for sin and, and be influenced to live a, a life of holiness that's honoring to God. And don't let, don't let that word holiness whack you out. It, it's, not a, it's not a weird thing. It just means becoming more like Jesus in how you think and act and speak. Uh, I, I need to grow that direction. And, that, and that's, that's, that's holiness. And so four simple Important life-shaping activities that the Word of God does in our lives. Convicts, corrects, confirms, cleanses. Simple question today for those who are Christ followers. Are you allowing the Word of God to be active in your life? And are you seeing these things evidenced in your life? You can increasingly as you as you. Daily engage with the Word of God. And as you increasingly come to be aware that God's best is living in line with His Word. And that doesn't mean life's perfect. If any Christian tells you being a Christian is going to take care of all your problems and life's going to be easy, not true. Not true. That's not the promise. The promise is to have the creator of life, walking with you through this difficult life. And submitting to His Word brings those four things that are so vital for our own spiritual growth, our relational health and growth in our families, in our church community, in our workplace. Uh, there's just so much 
out of this that is, uh, that is powerful and life-shaping. And so let's pray. God, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you, Lord, that it is um, uh, there for us to, uh, uh, to, to, to yield to, to read, to hear and see and come to know your heart and your desires through, through the Bible. Help us to, uh, to submit to your leadership through the word of God that you've given to us for this purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.